Today on Follow Friday, we're going to talk about civil disagreements, cancel culture, Marvel movies, Lincoln Beards, Crypto Bros, Uncle Satan, Succession, late night comedy, and political sex scandals in the great state of New York. But first, if this is your first episode of Follow Friday, then first of all, welcome. Do me a favor and take a moment now to follow or subscribe to the podcast in whatever app you happen to be using. I put out new episodes of the show every Friday, and there are tons of past episodes in the archives that I think you will like, including Kevin Roos from The New York Times, Alexandra Petri from The Washington Post, Franklin Leonard from The Blacklist, so many more. But now, let's get to the person you came here for, Kara Swisher. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. I'm Eric Johnson. Uh, Welcome to Follow Friday. It's a podcast about who you should follow online. If you haven't listened to it before, the way it works is every week I talk to a creative person about who they follow online. So podcasters, writers, comedians. And uh, today we are live in San Francisco at Manny's. Please clap. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you for being vaccinated, as Manny said. It's so great to see so many people out uh, supporting Manny's and here supporting the podcast. This is a little reunion for us. I spent many, many hours sitting right over there where the piano is now, uh, producing Kara Swisher's podcast, Recode Decode, back in the day. We made more than 500 episodes of that. Tonight is my chance to turn the tables, ask her a few questions. So everyone, please, one more time, welcome Kara Swisher. So, uh, true story, I asked you to be on the show a couple weeks ago, and your response was, okay, who are we interviewing? (laughs) (laughs) Then I told you that you were going to be the guest, you were going to be interviewed, and you said, okay, I am famouser now. So, (laughs) for the record, I think you were already famous when we worked together, but you are more famouser, so. Yes. Um, So, uh, you host Sway for the New York Times, you still host Pivot uh, for New York Magazine, you're a contributing writer at the Times. If I'm not making it up, I think you're writing a book about Silicon Valley. Is that right? Uh (laughs) So what is it like being famous, sir? Enlighten us. (laughs) Do you get weird people stopping you on the street? I apologize for my voice. I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately. I did like 17 podcasts last week, and so I, I lost my voice. And I also have a toddler who just went to preschool. And I don't know if you remember when we used to have colds and flus, um, <laughs> but they still exist. And so uh, she went to school and immediately became a Petri dish of all the other kids. And um, I have your garden variety cold that you get from a two-year-old, essentially, which I'm gonna have for the rest of my life until I'm dead, apparently. <laughs> uh, we're expecting another baby in December. Um, I also have two beautiful older sons. One is right here with my mom, Louie who worked here at Manny's. So, um, as Louis said, I almost got out, but then I didn't. Uh, so I apologize for the voice. Oh, you see, you sound fine. I think everyone can hear you okay, yeah? Yeah, I'm um, also gonna wear this because I don't want to, I'm not infectious or anything, but I don't want to pull a London breed. For <laughs> <laughs> what, what? 
come on. That was so stupid. So, 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 so uh, what is it like being famouser now? Do you... At least I didn't pull a Gavin Newsom, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is not the French Laundry. I'm sorry to inform you. No, we... it is not. Two dollar beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but where is the buttered lobster? Anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, like, do you find that you're, you know, your life is, is different now that you have, uh, you're, you're now at the New York Times, no, you know, doing, I, doing the podcast there. No, and I think we did a lot of amazing podcasts at, at uh, Rico Decode. Yeah. And it was very groundbreaking. Nobody was doing podcasts and nobody was doing interview podcasts for sure. And so Mark Marin was obviously, but we'd done a lot, especially in tech and, and made some real news. I was just uh, rereading the one we did with Mark Zuckerberg last time. He talked to me. Uh, several years ago when he made the... <laughs> Since then, I'm guessing radio silence. <laughs> yes, he's not my best friend. Every time he does an interview with me, he, it's a disaster for him, not for me. It's a career booster for me. Um, but he made the uh, unfortunate comparison, uh, comment um, that Holocaust deniers don't mean to lie, um, which of course is the definition of a Holocaust denier. And Eric was with me in that interview and we never wanted to get out of somewhere fast so we could post it. Um, and when he said it, Eric looked up. He didn't notice that he had said something that was problematic for a person who runs the most important communications meeting in the history of the world. And we literally ran out of there and posted it onto the internet. And, couldn't believe that. That was one for the ages. Yeah. Well, speaking of tech executives, next week you're going down to LA for the Code Conference, mm -hmm. your big annual conference talking to grilling all of the leaders yeah. in tech and politics and more. Uh, who, who are you most looking forward to interviewing this year? Well, you got to say Elon Musk. Yeah. I'm going to comfort him. Apparently, he just broke up with Grimes. <laughs> it's kind of sad that he's such a shit poster on Twitter because I, love I, it. I, I found out about the about? breakup through like posting memes on Twitter. Oh, really? <laughs> I think he's really interesting. I know people have issues with him. He was just, a, I did an interview with him in the middle of COVID and we got in a terrible argument about COVID and he tried to stalk off the Zoom, which I'm like, it's not very dramatic, Elon. <laughs> Go ahead. If you've already left the Zoom, you can't slam the door. Right. And then he didn't, you know, of course. But um, I'm excited because I'm interested in the space stuff. Um, I, I want to talk to him about climate change. Um, you can have your any opinion you want about Elon Musk, and many people do, but the, the, the stuff he's been doing around cars and, and, and space is super interesting to me uh, when we face all these climate changes, even if he says stupid things about Dogecoin, which everyone focuses in on. <laughs> and obviously, I didn't agree with about COVID, but he, uh, he wrote me an email. He goes, I'm vaccinated. I'm like, do you want a medal? medal. <laughs> anyway. Such I a said, good boy. Good job. <laughs> good for you. Well, like I said, this is the podcast about who you should follow online. So let's find out who Kara Swisher follows. It's Final Friday. So, Kara. Yeah. Before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me some people you follow who fit in those categories. Okay. Your first break is in the category "Someone Who Makes You Think," and you said Scott Galloway, who I is did. your co-host on Pivot. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> He teaches marketing at NYU, and he's written three books, most recently called Post-Corona, and he's on Twitter, at Prof Galloway. Yeah. So, tell a story of how you and Scott first met. I think it was at a conference well, in Europe. You know, it's really interesting. This week, um, we talked about having um, my, my new child coming, and he immediately tried to claim paternity, uh, which was totally offensive, <laughs> and made a series of horrible jokes about lesbians. Sounds so right. I can't believe I picked him. Um, but here's why I like dealing with him and then I'll tell you how we met 
it's very hard today to disagree with people who you don't agree with, right? It's very hard to have disagreements. And I think what's very powerful about that show is, I mean, it's sort of a bit of a, um, you know, he's sort of this slightly unwoke man mm -hmm. who says stupid things, and I'm a San Francisco lesbian who hits him on the head with a stick. And <laughs> Metaphorically. It's very enjoyable for people to watch that. <laughs> and um, it's not a formula precisely, because we have such chemistry. But one of the things that's great, we had a big disagreement this week on something, and we can do it in a civil way where we don't come to agreement necessarily, but we hear each other. Mm -hmm. And so often I'm like, oh, I didn't think of it that way, damn. He has a point. Mm -hmm. And I think people are dying for that in this incredibly partisan time. I mean, it's very hard to, to reach out to people you disagree with. Um, and you seem to leave a lot of people behind. And I think that plays into all the malevolent people who are trying to take us apart. And so I think one of the things that's great about the show is it shows a lot of commonality. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we have a point of view. And I think we uh, are funny and stuff like that. And we met because... Um, Speaking of Elon Musk, he gave a, um, a presentation, Scott, at DLD in Germany, and mm -hmm. he made me laugh. And he made, I, I don't mean to say this lightly, but people are not that interesting. Like, they don't say things that are, that surprise me a lot. I'm always like, oh yeah, of course they said that. And he said at least six things that I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. It was, it was unusual, because um, I talked to everybody. And so um, I introduced myself to him and then I, oddly enough, invited him on the podcast. And we had a discussion, and it was very funny from the start. And he predicted the Amazon buying Whole Foods on the show, mm -hmm. which was a big deal. It was a really great prediction. This was months before it happened. He had yeah. just an out-of-the-blue prediction. Yeah. yeah, completely. He's like this obnoxious oracle that you just <laughs> hit on the head, and something really smart comes out. Um, <laughs> and, and I hit him on the head, and something smart came out. And uh, I was looking at the numbers for the show, and they were, they were close to Elon Musk levels. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Who knows who this guy is? Because he wasn't as well known as he is now. And so I found that intriguing and I liked it. Mm -hmm. I liked the show. And so I had him on again and it happened again. The numbers were fascinating. And what was really interesting, the last part is when we, when I started to go out, people would call at me across the street How's that asshole Scott? I'm like, <laughs> I liked when you did this. Um, people felt the fans got very interested in us as a couple, I guess. Um, although, let's keep that loose. <laughs> um, I'm sure and, Scott would say something different. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's funny. We talk a lot, actually. And it was a really good partnership, just like with mine with Walt Mossberg, mm -hmm. who is so different than Scott, I can't even believe it. Walt is, I wanted to have Howard Stern at Code, and he wouldn't let me. He's like, he's offensive to, to to women and lesbian gay people. I'm like, so what? And Walt was, you know, he was sort of the ultimate liberal who really did, cared about people and their feelings. It was interesting. And Scott, of course, would have Howard Stern on any time and appear naked. Um, so, <laughs> I think he did like an ad for a TV yes. show. Yes, that was unfortunate. Shirtless. He is not yeah. doing that TV show now. Ah, because of the ad. <laughs> yes, apparently he made some people feel unsafe. I just think he's an idiot. Um, so, um, so it's interesting. So anyway, after that, I said, we should do a show. And it's worked out really well. It's, we're doing a, um, uh, we're going to Miami to do an event called PivotCon. That's brave. Uh, yeah, well not today. We're gonna <laughs> wait until the, I don't know, we'll see what yeah. happens there. Um, I think it's, it's not till next year, so I think we'll, the, the dulcet effects of Ron DeSantis might be 
So we're, we, we, I went to his house in Miami. We had a great time. He's a mm-hmm. very different person off stage. It's kind of a, he plays a character. I was going to ask, look, yes, yeah, you, your, your relationship on Pivot, you're, you are, as you said, very civil, very respectful, but you're also combative at times. Yeah. Like, do you ever, are you, are you ever playing that up or is it really no. just an honest representation no, of how differently it, it you is, feel? It is. I think, yeah, we do. We're, we, we, we really do. And it's really, um, people like it. It's really, it's fascinating. Podcast listeners become involved in your lives, you mm-hmm. know? And and they and they like your dynamic. That's how why it is really about the podcasters and how they interact in a lot of ways. Because there's a lot of podcasts like this. It's growing like crazy during the pandemic, right? And a lot of podcasts didn't. It's tripled in size. And you know, my it just happens all the time. Fans really like it. Either they don't they they root for him or they root for me or whatever. But he was he lives a fancier life than I do. He was getting on a helicopter with a blade to go out to the Hamptons. And the guy who was doing this goes, where's Kara? (laughs) And he was like, what? (laughs) Uh, Well, okay, so so on the topic of stuff where you disagree. Yeah. What is something with Scott Galloway where you absolutely agree with him 100% and something where you absolutely disagree, could not see eye to eye with him? I think he's obsessed with cancel culture because he's escaped. He's scared he's going to be canceled. Mm. I consider it consequence culture. Mm-hmm. I think if you do a shitty thing, you should pay for it. I'm sorry. Um, I think people, a lot of people, are taking this stance that they they can't say things. It's mm-hmm. all bullshit. You know, it's it's so funny. I was I was trying to get Josh Hawley to come on uh, Sway, and he's a very smart guy. Let me just say he's a, he's not. It's easy to dismiss him because well, he's somewhat of a fascist but um, uh, but he was uh, bygones right no (laughs) no no bygones Um, but he was um, you know he's always like you know I've been I've been censored I've been this I've been that same thing with that idiot Marjorie Taylor Greene she never shuts the fuck up right (laughs) so you're like you have all these ways to communicate including being a congressperson and you act as if this is a crisis it's not a crisis for your communication. You just, you know, t- this week we had that disagreement um, where he said, well, people can't say what they want. I said, maybe people shouldn't say some things. You know what I mean? It's about decency. And maybe people have had enough of listening to all the crap that comes out of your mouth, you know? Have you, did you see that uh, headline that The Guardian had? It was, I think it was something like, Johnny Depp warns about dangers of cancel culture while accepting Lifetime Achievement Award. Whatever, it's just, <laughs> they never shut up. And then they have no evidence. There's no evidence. Right. I attack, um, I'm tough on tech companies, but this is not something they're doing. Right. They're doing not enough of it, I guess, some people think. So I, I think he's wrong about that. You know, he's like students at universities. I don't know. It's not like our world's biggest problem, honestly. You look around, we have homelessness, we've got poverty, we've got health care issues, and this is all these incredibly wealthy, privileged people can talk about. They don't get to say whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get it. It's and then what about something where you agree? Like, is there something that Scott Galloway has said in conversation with you that changed your mind, that really made you go like, oh, he's exactly right, and I never considered it that way? A lot of things, yeah. actually. Um, at first, I wasn't... Um, <coughs> What has he changed my mind on? We talk about so many different things. Yeah, He's a little, um, if you can believe it, tougher on Facebook than I am. Um, I think these people are sort of sloppily malignant or malignantly Mm -hmm. sloppy. I can't decide. (laughs) Um, 
and sometimes they don't meet they just don't they're so sloppy as people and they're all they're interested in is growth he thinks they're criminal I don't think they are he tends to blame Sheryl Sandberg more than I do hmm. I think the buck stops at Mark Zuckerberg I understand she's an enabler of this I understand she went along but um, he, he is he is the unqualified uh, he cannot be fired he's in complete control of the company she's an employee and no matter what it's it, the buck stops with him yeah I mean you're, you're he doesn't he seems to go after her. I think it's a little uh, I see why and I yeah. agree on some of the culpability but on some level why you know you know he didn't know I was like give me a break he's not 12 he has three children or two children who he's named after various Roman emperors um, <laughs> no joke he has um, and uh, and he should take responsibility definitely alright well that was Scott Galloway who's on Twitter at Prof Galloway yeah be careful with that one Friday. Kara, let's move on to your next follow. Yeah. I asked you for someone you have a non-romantic crush on, <laughs> and you said the English actor and producer Gemma Chan, oh, who is on Twitter at Gemma underscore Chan. Yeah. She's also on Instagram at Gemma Chan, no underscore. Wait, what'd you say, a non-what? A non-romantic crush. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> She's gorgeous. This Hello. is one of my favorite categories also in the show. smart. Yeah. To throw well, that in. Yeah. So the, okay, this is my favorite categories because some people ha- people have very different reasons for saying they have a crush or a non-romantic crush on someone. So explain wh- why her. There's something about uh, you know I saw her in several different things and she was in Crazy with Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. She just there's something she has with the screen that's very uh, compelling to me at least. I find her both sad and wise and I don't know. There's something about her that I really like. I'm excited to see her in what it seems like a relatively lead role in. Uh, the Eternals. Mm-hmm. I obviously love Avengers movies. Hello, uh, <laughs> but um, I find her. I just she's the kind of actress that should be more valued by Hollywood. I guess mm-hmm. there's something about her and isn't, of course. Uh, uh, but I really I find her compelling. I can't explain it. Yeah, well, I was looking at her Twitter, and it's really interesting because there's a lot of the standard promotional stuff of here's yeah. a photo shoot from a magazine, here's something about Eternals, here's something about some other movie, whatever. But then mixed in, there's, there's tweets and retweets that I assume she's doing herself where it's talking about anti-Asian hate crimes, yeah, and talking about course, racism yeah. against the English football team, against, yeah. against the black players on the team, where, where she's using her platform to raise awareness about, like really she serious has, I stuff. I really like, you know, I was thinking about the Eternals because I want to interview, and the obvious people are Chloe Zhao, who, who directed it, who I think mm-hmm. is really talented, who did Nomadland and won the Oscar this year, um, and also uh, Kevin Feig, is it Feig, Feig, whatever. Feige, I think. Uh, whatever, yeah. him. Um, and, uh, but I keep coming back to her or Angelina Jolie would be interesting for sure but I keep somehow keep coming back to her someone I really like to talk to about acting I don't know why I just She's also beautiful. So, so you've never you've never met her. You never no. had a chance to interview her. No. Or no. Well, if, if you did have a chance, like, what would be your first question for her? What would you want to ask her most urgently? You know, I'd have to see the Eternals. I, I talk about this. Her compelling nature, I think, without freaking her out, like I'm a stalker. Um, I would talk about her role, how she looks at her power in Hollywood. Sway is about power, how she thinks about it. And I just have a feeling, I just, I don't know, I just have a feeling she could, she's just very compelling, and I don't, and it, it happens not very often Yeah. when I see an actor that's like that. I don't know what the first question would be. 
I have to see the Eternals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I mentioned that she uses her platform, her Twitter, to raise awareness about some yeah. serious issues. You have almost 10 times the number of followers yeah, 1. that she 4 does. Yeah, 1.4 million, yeah. Yeah, you, 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 you counted, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, I was looking today. Yeah. I was just looking today. Just, it's, I, it's I, I've been refreshing your own bio, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I got on Twitter early, yeah. so a lot of them are bots, let's yeah. be honest. But I have, I have a lot of followers, I do. Well, so you, you have this gigantic platform yourself. How do you, I mentioned that she's kind of balancing her promotional stuff with these more serious political issues. How do you weigh your responsibility, your priorities, and de- deciding what to talk about. Because like, you could have a day where like there's no good news, and I imagine there's some temptation to just pile on, to just like sure. revel in just like how shitty everything feels, but there's yeah. also maybe some, you know, um, some case for like distraction or for entertainment. I try to do a lot of things. I try to call attention to cool stuff I see, yeah. smart things. Twitter, for all its toxicity and swampiness, can be very beautiful and funny. Uh, very funny stuff on there, very creative, just like TikTok. So you're like, wow, people are really funny and creative. And I tend to try to focus on that part. I certainly use it as a bully pulpit um, to smack around people. When mm-hmm. um, Adam Aseri from Facebook, was using the, uh, the the idea, like, you know, cars are bad for humanity, but on the whole, they're good. To, you know, it was crazy, what, a, what an idiotic metaphor. I was like, put down Twitter right now. <laughs> um, Kevin Roos, who is a wonderful twi- Twitter person, he works for the New York Times, said it's like the head of Chipotle saying, you know, the salmonella in the guac that killed people, sure, that was a problem, but in the end, industrialized food production means we don't have to be hunter-gatherers anymore. <laughs> he was like, are you kidding me? Um, I push back on him on that, right. but not as good as Kevin. Um, I, you know, I tend to uh, I focus, um, I try to use it judiciously. I'm not, even though I use Twitter a lot, I, I think I'm a professional Twitterer compared mm-hmm. to most people. There's a lot of, uh, I'm very careful, much more, I, I made one mistake once, which I regret, um, but, um, a lot of reporters are a little too much on, on it, I think. Um, and I often text friends of mine, I'm like, put down Twitter right now. You can't say that. You know, they're, they, Some people they, are addicted, they, yeah. They're addicted, and especially during the Trump era. Um, you know, when I interviewed, just recently, Jason Miller, I get mm. that people don't like him. Hello, I don't like him. But I think it's important. He was starting this new uh, thing called Getter, which you can't believe the name of that. Um, this I mean, is a free speech free platform. Speech platform. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a very tough interview. It, the only the only worst name for Getter, which is like, sounds like Grabber, um, you know, kind of thing, as in, you know. Mm. Um, and uh, the only, I was, I made, I did a column and I said, the only worst name would be Mindspace. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, or Titter, you know. Um, <laughs> if it's a Trump-related uh, social network. And I wanted to interview him because they, this is where Trump might emerge. And I'd written a lot about this topic of him getting kicked off. I had warned Twitter quite a bit about what he was doing. Um, and so I wanted to talk to him about it. Uh, people lost their fucking minds about it. And I was like, are you kidding me? You've got to hear these people. And, I get, and it was an extraordinarily tough interview. And they liked it when I did it for Parler because the guy got fired and they got shut down. Mm-hmm. They didn't like it when I did it for Miller, because they assumed I'm not doing my job, which is to ask tough questions of people. So that was, you know, that was an interesting moment on Twitter. I was sort of, I, I, I responded, I'm like, you know, suck it, I'll interview whoever I want. <laughs> you know, well, so. 
All right, here, here's, a, here's a really tough hardball question for you. I think I tweeted you. that. Suck it. <laughs> here's, a, here's a tough hardball question for you. Sure. Uh, before Jimmy Chan and Chloe Zhao come in and make the best Marvel movie, what, uh-huh. what, what is the best Marvel movie? Oh, wow. Um, I think probably Black... Oh, Iron Man, the first one, and Black Panther, I guess. Good point. Um, Good picks. Although, I liked Shang-Chi. It's the first movie I have gone to uh, recently in theater in two years. Um, I've now decided whether movies are COVID-worthy. Mm-hmm. You know, remember on Spongeworthy on Seinfeld? You watched F9 at home. I remember you wrote a column about I did. About I, watched, this. Yeah. I love Fast and Furious, but I watched it at home. Um, and I couldn't go to the theater. I just wasn't COVID-worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I... Um, I'm going to go to Bond. I'll be honest with you. I'm headed to Bond. I'm going. I'll go to Top Gun, too. I know. Don't hate me. Don't hate me. They keep I lo- on pushing that one back. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> I think I, I'm going to go. You're going to go. I'm going to. I just love Maverick. I don't know why. I just well, that was Gemma Chan, who's on Twitter at Gemma underscore Chan and on Instagram at Gemma Chan. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a minute with Kara Swisher. Today's show is brought to you by Follow Friday on Patreon. Every week I release bonus mini-sodes that you can only get when you back us there on Patreon. You can pledge any amount you want, starting at just $1. Shout out to the patron of the week, Shinri, and all of our other patrons. Please join them by pledging a dollar or more at patreon.com slash followfriday. For your support, you're going to get a bonus mini-sode next week with even more Kara Swisher. It's a live Q&A I did the same night at Manny's, and it's really funny. You also get access to more than an hour and a half of exclusive bonus audio from people who've been on the show before. So one more time, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash follow Friday. Patreon.com slash follow Friday. Please consider supporting us there, and thank you. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Kara, your next follow is someone you followed forever. And you said Jack Dorsey, who is at Jack on Twitter. Uh, Great Twitter username. Extremely cringeworthy Twitter bio, which is hashtag Bitcoin. And that's it. What is going on with that guy, honestly? Well, that's my question for you. I I assume you follow Jack Dorsey because you love cryptocurrency so much. No. (laughs) No. I, I, he lost me at that beard, I gotta say. One time, he showed up to an interview. I, I feel like everyone should do what they want, but still, you, know, you don't try not to judge people, but I totally judged him. And I said so, I showed up at a meeting with him and he had it, the Lincoln beard or whatever. And I was like, what the hell? What are you joint, making chocolate in Brooklyn? Like, what's going on here? Um, he loves that thing. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. I follow him because I think he's an interesting follow. I followed him from the beginning. You know, they people don't realize this, but Twitter was not Twitter. It was called Idea. What was it? O- Odeo. Odeo. It was a podcasting. It was company. a podcasting company, yeah. and it didn't work. And they had this separate um, Twitter thing that they used. And so I was there at the very beginning when they were Odeo, and then they switched over, and Ev and Biz and uh, Jack was there, and then he wasn't there, and then they weren't there, and it was a. I used to call it Twitter. Um, a lesbian collective, only a lesbian can say that, um, because it was like they were all mad at each other and arguing and <laughs> stuff like that. I know, I'm sure I'm offended all the lesbians, but oh well. Um, yeah, we, we should say, for I mean, the San Francisco crowd knows this BS, so Jack Dorsey runs Twitter and yeah. also Square still, right? He runs he both does. companies? Yeah. He does, he's a very interesting entrepreneur. I've interviewed him a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. He's, he's actually a very good interview, um, and I just like to follow him. I think he's 
this kind of down Bitcoin Avenue is strange. I see why. I understand Bitcoin is not just Bitcoin, but cryptocurrency is a really important area, mm-hmm. a disruptive area. And if you notice today, China just totally cut it off. What they do? They just completely like they prevented. made it illegal. Wow. So uh, essentially, um, and uh, a couple a month ago, they they cracked down on mining. They're trying to be carbon zero or whatever. But China's doing what Amy Klobuchar and Josh Hawley wish they could do, mm-hmm. right? They're just like shutting down this, this, and this, and this, the power of all the tech companies there. Jack Moss disappeared. Um, the Reddit, uh, not the Reddit, excuse me, the the driving one, what's it called there? Um, Gene Liu from the driver. Oh, Didi? Didi, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, quieted, they are all been quieted, every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the government has just decided that tech people have too much power. And it's in it, rather than a democratic process that we have, which means nothing happens, they're just, they're just no, really, seriously. Um, they're, they're just clamping down like you can't believe. If I were running an authoritarian country, that's probably what I would do. Um, but uh, but we don't have that here. So if I were running one, I wouldn't ban cryptocurrency, but I would ban crypto bros. Just anyone who tweets yeah. about cryptocurrency, well, right now. That's going to change. You know, Gary Gensler is coming to code next week. He's the SEC chairman. He just gave a speech comparing it to the wild west of finance. Apparently, I didn't know this. Banks all used to have their own currency back in the day, which I was not aware of. Um, I didn't learn that in my history class. And I think it reminds me a great deal of early internet. You know, if you, I was around for that. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of con men and crazy people and obnoxious people. And then it consolidated. First Yahoo. You know, Google didn't come along for a while, by the way. Um, not until 2000, essentially. And so it was when I got here in 1996, it was, it was nuts. It was crazy. And there were a lot of really sketchy people. So I, I think cryptocurrency is very important, but it's not going to escape regulatory scrutiny because the only thing government has that is really powerful is control of money and mm-hmm. currency and regulation of finance. And I'll tell you, they're not giving that one up. They're yeah. not giving that up. Well, you mentioned earlier your colleague at the New York Times, Kevin Roos, who's also a former yeah. guest on this podcast. And I want to share something to be up on the screen, something he tweeted, which I'll also read for the folks who can't see. He says, I'm sure there are days when Jack Dorsey wishes Twitter was just as big as Facebook, but it must be fun to be able to just tweet weird crypto stuff instead of having a 55-person team vet your wakeboarding selfies for possible antitrust violations. <laughs> Which, another good dunk yeah. from, from, from Kevin Roos. You know, um, he's trying to do Elon Musk. He's just not doing it as well. Mm. Uh, you know, they're friends, actually. People don't Jack do and Elon are friends. Yes, they yeah. are. Yeah. It's a, it, I asked Jack once who he really... Uh, Myers and it was just Elon. That was it. I was sort of surprised. Huh. It was an interesting answer. Mark Zuckerberg was Bill Gates and Augustus Caesar. <laughs> so, wow, what a pick. yeah, exactly. Well, I was like, whoa. So, so yeah, comparing Jack to folks like Zuck or Elon or whoever. I mean, Twitter has problems, but yeah. I know you are an avid Twitter user. You're yeah. on it every day. So, how do you feel about, you know, how Jack's doing, how the company's doing? Do you think do you you feel good about the fact that you are actively like participating in the in the this this You know, I've done a lot of Twitter spaces. Um I I'm not on Clubhouse. I don't like mm-hmm. the investors. And they kept attacking tech reporters like oh, yeah, what is the problem? Yeah. They're the richest people in the world and they have to like complain about Taylor Lawrence like stop it. Um so I just don't want to help them. Yeah. Get big. I don't want to paint their fence. They're really hung up on her. It's They're, just it's, it's gross. just like stop it. Okay, sometimes she says something that you don't like. 
you know, move along, boys. And it's all boys, by the way. And one of the, uh, the reason I like Twitter Spaces because it's a feature. Mm-hmm. We got 2,000 people last night talking about the Facebook files. And the people are civil and really interesting. I like a lot of stuff at Twitter. Um, I do think they and other social media companies move too slowly, as you know, around Donald Trump. I had written a column in early 2019 where I, I literally said, what if Trump loses the election and he starts tweeting the election was a fraud and a lie and that was it was a fraud and it was stolen? What if he keeps doing it and then he encourages his supporters when it's about to be you know, made official to attack the government? I what literally if? wrote that. And I put it to people at Twitter and they're like, well, that's never gonna happen. And I was like, yes, it is, it could. And so it was really interesting um, for them to let it get that way in the first place. Now, I'm not blaming social media for, it's clearly at Trump's door what mm-hmm. happened and the people who choose to be tourists at the Capitol. But social media allowed him to behave like that. And one of the ironic things is a lot of the behavior Trump did, which I think was appalling, is showing how few rules they had in place, right? Trump is like unveiling the fact that they don't manage this shit very well at all. And I think that's- He's testing the fence and showing how much of it well, is not Well, he did, electrified. he's such a malevolent actor that he um, he proved that they didn't, they, it was haphazard, just happened, just like, mm-hmm. and of course this, the Facebook oversight board, you know, wouldn't make a decision on him because they were shocked that Facebook didn't have policies. And then this week's stories, uh, that Facebook does make exceptions, even though they said they didn't really. It just It's just one big, you know, again, sloppy, bordering on malfeasance. So it's a relatively, you, you feel better about, about Twitter and about Jack? I think they're smaller. I think they're smaller, that's all. That I helps. Think, I think they were, late. they were very late. He did, he did do the right thing around political advertising early. Uh, it took them all a while to kick off Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, I had a meeting with Zuckerberg, we were there and we argued about Alex Jones. And I'm like, you're gonna kick him off in three weeks. I wish we would stop arguing about this because you're gonna do it. Because he's breaking your rules over again. He's making fun of you. At this point, I don't blame Alex Jones. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't Trump, you know? You know, you can say they're bad people, but why wouldn't you continue to break the rules when nobody's stopping you? And so, and if it's to your benefit. Um, but I thought they were very slow to that. Uh, they've gotten better with products. I think they're a little bit slow on products, but I like it. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram at all. I mean, I, I've been on it, right? And I use it when I need to for work, but not I just anymore. I don't feel like painting their fence either. I remember from there was an episode of Recode Decode that I think you co-hosted with Dick Costello, who was yep. Jack's successor and predecessor at something Twitter, like something that. like that. But he, you were asking him about who's funny in Silicon Valley, and I'm pretty sure he said Jack Dorsey is funny. Um, kind of. <laughs> I think you were skeptical then too. Yeah, he's not funny. Well, yeah, I was gonna. It's okay. I was gonna ask if you had any funny stories or any any, any good stories from from just having known Jack since the Odeo days. Um. No. Yeah. <laughs> he's just an odd, he's an odd duck. He's an odd duck. I think he's awkward, much more awkward than people realize. He's very thoughtful, I'll tell you that. That's mm-hmm. one thing I really enjoy about him. He has a hard time sometimes articulating uh, things, but he always answers. I, I like. I appreciate that about him. Um, you know, he's he shouldn't be running both companies. I'm, you know, he knows I think that. It's kind of ridiculous. It's such a narcissistic He was about to move thing. to Africa, like early 2020. Yeah. He was like getting ready to move to Africa. I think he was there. Yeah. I think he was there when he, he was. threw. He was somewhere not 
where he should have been when they were throwing Trump off. The investors were already pissed at him for running two companies, and then he's well, just like, Well, you know, like, the stock's bye. doing okay. It's yeah. doing okay. Yeah. I would worry more if it was bigger. Yeah. Well, that was Jack Dorsey, who's on Twitter, at Jack. It's Final Friday. Kara, your next follow is someone you have a love-hate relationship with. Oh, God, there's so many people. <laughs> you said Michael Wolf, who's oh, on yeah. Twitter, at Michael Wolf NYC. Yeah. And Wolf is spelled with two Fs for the audio listeners. Yep. Michael is a journalist and a newspaper columnist, as well as the author of three books about the Trump presidency, including Fire and Fury, which I think became a bestseller after Trump threatened to sue him from yeah. the White House. And then let him back in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's start How with the positive. How much of a narcissist do you have to be to let someone who calls you a, a <laughs> lunatic back into the building? Sorry. Let's start with the positive stuff. What do you love about Michael Wolff? I think he's a beautiful writer. I think he's a really interesting writer. I think he has really interesting insights, and boy, don't I agree with him on most things. I met him in the early days of the internet when he wrote a book, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but he and I were... Uh, uh, was this his book about the dot-com yes, company? Yes, the dot-com. Burn Rate. Burn Rate, yeah. and I thought it was, uh, there was a lot of stuff I thought was problematic. He mixed, he mushed people up. He sort of took a lot of liberties, mm. I would say. At the time, I was a, a much, uh, I was a much more stringent. I was like, now I'm like, okay, whatever, just as long as I know it. Um, but uh, I don't do it, but he did. But I liked it. He had, he had the right sense of what was happening. He just sort of um, made the stories a little more interesting hmm. than, he sh- than they were at the time. But I did. But he had the right sense of what was happening. He had the right tone. Like I thought he was just like in a lot of ways like Scotty. He was insightful about what was happening, and he said a lot of things most reporters wouldn't say. So I liked that about him. Uh, beautiful, beautiful writer. Uh, makes a lot of connections. Uh, you know, I used to say he had an. E- I used to tell him he had an evil talent um, because he was so good. But uh, I thought he cozied up a little bit to Rupert and the others to get what he wanted. But then he screwed them. So I'm sort of like, okay, you know, he kissed up to them and then <laughs> he screwed them. How did he screw them. them over? Oh my God, have you read the recent one? Yeah, <laughs> literally, he's like Trump is like, you know, two, fe- two feet is- away from you know the, ins- the insane asylum essentially. His most recent book, I think, is all about. Powerful people who are depraved in various ways. Yeah, I think right? he Rich called him depraved, a monster. Yeah. It was. I was like, wow. I think it was one of the tougher books, and really, very clearly, the proximity was good for him. Even though, you know, he could have done a very different kiss ass book, and he didn't. Yeah. Um, so I like that about him. And one of the things, my favorite thing was uh, years ago, and you can find this on the internet if you can believe this. He and I went on Charlie Rose, that guy. Mm. Anyway. Um, and uh, I was wearing um, a, sh- a, a jacket with padded shoulders and a feathered haircut. This was 1996. I was so about to ask, yeah. <laughs> it didn't really work well. I, I look at it, I'm like, oh God, the hair and the, the feathered jacket. <laughs> but he and I went and I, and I said, I'd written a book about AOL. We were the first books about the internet. We were the very first people. And he said the internet was a Ponzi scheme. He had his, he had his narrative, right? It's a Ponzi scheme, it's gonna fall apart, it's a fad. CB radio, the whole thing. And I was like, no, it's gonna decimate every industry. It's gonna be enormous. This is gonna be the richest people on earth. And and you could go back and look at it because we argue about it. Um, I, of course, was right, um, <laughs> much to my chagrin. And he was wrong, but it was a great debate. Uh, so I like that. I like a smart person I can argue with. He's very smart. Okay, so that's the love half of love hate. Let's let's uh, let's tempt fate here. What what do you hate about Michael Wolf or his work? You you, you besides, can get basically in his besides, work. Besides, he's written like several articles insulting me uh, copiously, um, <laughs> which is fine because then he's friendly. So you know, I just you know, I'm a big girl. I can take it. He did. He thought she's like she was unsuccessful at entrepreneurship. I'm like, um, hello. 
who's still around, sir? You know what I mean? But it's fine. I'm a, again, I'm a big guy. I don't care. Um, I think he, we got, we get into beefs all the time. Mm-hmm. We were just, we were just on Twitter spaces and he's like, do we hate each other now? And I go, I think we don't anymore. <laughs> and he goes, what do we fight about? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it was about Rupert Murdoch. Cause I think Rupert Murdoch is, is Satan on earth. Um, and he was a little too close to him in a way that I thought was creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we argued about Rupert Murdoch, I think. Um, we, you know, I'd worked for Rupert Murdoch and left, which was a really interesting experience, um, largely because he's Uncle Satan, which is what I call him. <laughs> um, and uh, are you the new? I'm doing a Succession podcast. I'm helping the creators of Succession. You're not supposed to say it's Rupert Murdoch, but it, it kind of is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. Like Obviously, I'm, yeah. I'm just a consumer of it, and it's Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I've seen the new season. It's really good. It's really no good. No spoilers. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anything, but it's good. Because um, I'm helping them do their podcast. But uh, I think it was over Rupert Murdoch and we were beefing. We always beef. Yeah. And then we, you know, and it's real mean. Because we're both real good at Twitter. So we're like. <laughs> and then I don't. And then he literally was like, what did you fight about? And I was like, I don't know. Clash of the Titans. Thing. I have no idea. <laughs> this is, let me read you a line from, from Michael Wolf's Wikipedia page. Quote, Wolf is known for his pugnacious personality, has reportedly been ejected from numerous New York City restaurants. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> does, that, does that track with what, what, you, what you know of him? Yeah, he, he sure can be ejected? an asshole. Yeah, he sure can be. <laughs> but yeah, so, so like what was, like what was the, the most intense? By the way, like, he's calmed down a lot. Like yeah. me, he's had a, a new children at, a, at an advanced age. So I'm like a straight white man, essentially. But um, So we talked about kids. We're like, let's get the kids together. We are such a cliche. It's incredible. So um, if I, yeah, so you mentioned earlier, he's written some pretty critical things about you from yeah. when you and Walt Mossberg sold Recode to Vox uh, several yeah. years ago. Does like, did being covered by him whenever he would write about you, did that affect your you know your view of him of the other writing or did you because it was kind of like yeah no you can't deny when someone's a good writer you just you're an idiot you know what i mean like you can't deny things like why would i like someone the other day i was i tweeted something about trump and they're like we just have to ignore him like that's a typical thing on the left but i'm like are you kidding me he's running the republican party can't ignore him that's like crazy like you know you can't will him away i mean you might want to but it's not (laughs) You have to discuss him. It gives him more oxygen. I'm like, he's got plenty of fucking oxygen. Like, it's not because I'm tweeting about him. The man has followers. Um, even, it was interesting, I did a Cori Bush interview who I thought was terrific mm. recently, and she, she said, I can't believe I'm complimenting Donald Trump, but he's a table flipper. Even if he flips untruthfully and with hate and malevolence, people like a table flipper. Mm-hmm. So think about if we can be table flippers for truth, like with truth. I thought that was a pretty smart analysis of Donald Trump by her. It's like Who, the, they couldn't be more on more opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, this the the old saying: the um, the lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has its pants right. on. You know, so you have to be much more aggressive if you're. Yeah, you uh, have to acknowledge one of the things that I remember being in Washington when Trump was running at the beginning, and all all the all the Washington reporters were laughing. You know, oh, he's such a silly candidate, and I said, I think he can win. What are you talking about? And and he was like, what? they're like, what are you talking about? I said, have any of you watched The Apprentice? I've watched every episode. I said, he's very funny. He's very self-deprecating. He's very popular among people. And he's tapping into an anger that exists in the country that is very meaningful. 
and and he's using propaganda. I had studied propaganda at the Foreign Service School. That was my area. I was like, he's like doing the propaganda playbook. Mm-hmm. I was like, you can laugh at him all you want, but Not to your stop detriment. Him. I remember yeah. that. He's a circus performer. I'm like, mm, okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, that was Michael Wolf, who is on Twitter at Michael Wolf NYC. We have time for one more follow tonight, and I want to finish with a fun one. Kara, I asked you for someone who makes you laugh, and you said Samantha B, who's the yes. host of Full Frontal on TBS. Mm-hmm. She's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Full Frontal Sam B, and B is just the letter B. Yeah. So how long have you been following her work? Like since uh, The Daily oh, Show? Or? Since The Daily Show. I thought she pioneered a lot of that stuff. Jordan Klepper does what she did for years and stuff. I think she's, I just interviewed her on stage in New York. Mm-hmm. That's the first time she went out in public since the pandemic. She sort of was like, ooh, people. Um, it was fun. We did it at Little Island. It was an outdoor space in New York. Go see it if you're in New York. It's like the High Line. It's the same. Barry Diller did it. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful space on the Hudson. And she is just as funny as ever. I don't think she's gotten her due. You know, you right. have all these others. So I, I don't begrudge, you know, Jimmy. Oh, I don't like that guy. I Which like, Jimmy? I you like gotta be specific. <laughs> There's too many Jimmys. <laughs> hmm? the, the used to be heavier one. What's his name? Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy Kimmel? Kimmel, right, yeah. yeah. Um, he's very funny. Yeah. I, I think Kobe is very funny. I think John Oliver is brilliant. I think John Stewart is brilliant. They're not unbrilliant. You know what I mean? Hey, wait, we have James Corden, Jimmy Kimmel, James Jimmy Corden's Fallon, nice. John Oliver. We, I'm we have not a, lot a huge of fan of Jenny, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Um, but um, well, I, I remember like James there was a Corden big... enough. I like his singing in the cars or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she's just, she's much more talented, at least two thirds of them. Mm-hmm. And she never got her due. And I think if you go back and look at her stuff on The Daily Show, boy, is it good. And I thought yep. she has a real point of view. On TBS, it doesn't. It's not as big, and so it doesn't get as much attention. Some of her stuff is just brilliant, really great. Um, we did an amazing. It's going to pop- appear as a sway episode, I think next week. Mm-hmm. I think we have Beto for Monday. Mm-hmm. I think we. Have, I think we have Sam B after that. I believe. Wow. And she, she's just, she's she's great. She, I know. Even when she, I interviewed her for Recode, as you recall, right after she called Ivanka Trump that name, mm-hmm. and which she repeated on stage last week except she spelled it um, and it was very funny um, and she doesn't regret it um, and so we I, I think she's just taken a lot of risks and probably deserved more attention than she got and so I think she's very wry and funny and I just think she makes me every time I see something she makes me laugh and it's it's again makes me think which is not and she also takes her lumps I mean mm-hmm. that Eric Schneiderman thing she did was such a disaster if you what, what happened there I don't remember she did something called him a hero and then it turns out he like strangles people during sex I don't know ah. um, remember that he had to leave it was another New York politician New York sex politics. scandal <laughs> Just, it's like a list of sex scandals for New York politicians and you're like whoa I cannot keep them straight yeah. no <laughs> but no I mean, by the way I was never a homosexual so. good to get that on the record yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, to your point earlier, I mean, I remember when Full Frontal was just launching, there was a big magazine spread all about, like, you know, the new late night comedy, and it was all the dudes, no Sam B. And yeah. so, I, so I think what she did, if I remember correctly, is she photoshopped herself in as a centaur shooting <laughs> laser beams out of its eyes, something like that, just into this magazine spread. Yeah, she's very funny in it. You know, I just interviewed Chelsea Handler, too, and she's coming to code also, and I thought she's sort of taken a very interesting turn in her comedy. It's, uh, she started a, a, a weed company, 
and a bunch of other things. But huh. um, her and John Boehner. Her recent uh, show, which she did in New York, was really quite moving. It was about her brother uh, died suddenly mm. and how it shifted her family. I thought it was incredibly effective comedy. Um, she's sort of going that Hannah Gadsby route, I guess. Um, but she's, uh, I thought hers, she always sort of did the, you know, shock jock kind of stuff. But her new stuff is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So I like her too. So back to Sam B. Like, I love Wanda Sykes, by the way, also. Too, too, too many comedians, yeah, too many good ones. We're so in a good, good. good golden age, yeah. Oh. What's the biggest difference between the Sam B who's on Full Frontal, I mean, and you've met her many times, and, the, and Sam B in real life? Like, what, what would you say is the biggest difference there? Uh, she's very shy, you know, typical. She's very shy. I think she's um, surprised by attention. Mm-hmm. She's certainly not an egomaniac by any stretch. Um, she has, uh, she spends a lot, of, she, she devotes a lot of her time to her family. She's not sort of a rapacious, aggressive person you might expect from someone in that. I would say she has a happy family life, but I think a lot of comedians don't, comics don't. I think she's lovely. I find her to be lovely. She was very scared during that Ivanka Trump thing. I bet. Because she got attacked rather significantly. She had a bodyguard, uh, et cetera. Uh, Same thing with uh, uh, Kathy Griffin, who I like. I did a great interview with her. That was Mm -hmm. fantastic interview and Kathy's you know Kathy's controversial figure but the kind of stuff she endured because of a stupid joke a tasteless joke was ridiculous Mm. was ridiculous yeah you know I like her she's very funny so yeah you mentioned Wanda Sykes you mentioned uh, other comedians that you like I mean what do you think separates Sam B like like why 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 would you pick her above the others like what do you think is the thing that most distinguishes her as one of the best comedians working today. Oh, I, I like them all. I probably was just thinking of her because I was doing yeah. a lot of watching of her at the time. Um, but I like a lot of them. I did a really great interview with Sasha Baron Cohen, who I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, what an interesting mind he has. Yeah. Um, I think comics are really leading the way on social commentary um, and pushing boundaries that need to be pushed. I'm excited to see what Jon Stewart does. Um, I think that's going to be Oh, yeah, he's got the new show coming out, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. On Apple. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, uh, it's, I think streaming's been really fascinating. It sort of raised the, the, you know, especially Netflix has led the way um, in terms of getting all the others to start to really program in really fascinating ways. So I, I think comics, you know, what John Oliver manages to do more than, I can't watch cable anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't, even the stuff I agree with, I'm sort of like, I did an interview with Don Lemon, we had an argument about it. I was like, stop crying on about what it's so ridiculous performative bullshit um and you know i'm not a i would obviously be more politically affiliated with him but i don't think it does anyone any good to create these sides that are just Hmm. reductive and twitchy and angry they're not complex and people are complex except for you know the anti-vaxxers and they can go (laughs) for the audio listeners kara just made a rude gesture with her yeah (laughs) honestly Honestly. Well, that was Samantha B, who's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Full Frontal Sam B. Kara, let's make sure people know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? I'm so ubiquitous. It's kind of depressing. <laughs> uh, my wife is like, you make too much content. I'm not going to listen to any of it anymore. <laughs> um, uh, and do you listen to any of it, Louis? No, I no, don't think he so. Says. <laughs> he does secretly. My mom does. One time my mom told me about an interview I did. She's sitting right here. I did an interview with Hillary Clinton and she called me. She goes, I can't believe what Hillary just said. She had watched Fox News. And um, 
And she says she's being embarrassed right now, but I'm going to do it. She says, Hillary said this, this, and this. And I was like, no, no, she didn't. She said it to me. She didn't say that. She goes, oh, that's your opinion. Um, and I was like, no, it was my interview. She didn't say that. It was crazy. Um, so she's great. She's here. She listens to all my stuff, actually. I'm just teasing her. Um, uh, so uh, Kara Swisher Kara on Twitter. Sw- Kara Swisher. Uh, you can sway, you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, sway and pivot. Uh, pivot is twice a week. Sway Strange Week. I have a newsletter for the Times now, a twice a week newsletter. Uh, we have code coming, and it's uh, you can do it. Vir- you can do it virtually, but we'll eventually put it all up for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the interviews, and you'll probably get. We'll put up clips and everything else. When's the book coming out? Do you know? Uh, I'm working on it. Yeah, uh, it's a book about my time in Silicon Valley. I'm I'm literally gonna. I'm burning it all down, and then I'm, and then I'm like, goodbye. So anyway. the rich people will get over it eventually. Yeah. No, they won't. They never will. <laughs> never. Literally, I have people who go, richest people in the world, most powerful people in the world. You're so mean to me. I'm mm. like, are you 12? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Anyway. They all just needed another hug when they were little. Yeah. Everybody does. <laughs> hug someone. Well, if you all like tonight's show, then please follow or subscribe to Follow Friday in your podcast app. It's free. I do interviews like this every week with creative people, comedians, podcasters, writers, filmmakers, all sorts. So search for Follow Friday or go to followfridaypodcast.com. Uh, and you can follow me. By the way, Eric's yeah. a wonderful guy. He worked for me. Did you start as an intern? Yeah, started yes. as an intern All Things he D. He started as, we got so many amazing alumni from Recode and All Things D. Eric started as an intern. Amazing, amazing guy. And just entrepreneurial, creative, etc. And what a what a it's one of the delights of creating things is being able to help people's careers like yours and you're just astonishing. I'm just checking to make sure I got that in the record. <laughs> also he's getting married. So say congratulations. Thank you so much. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at FollowFridayPod. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. I'm sorry you couldn't all hear it as a technical issue, but listen to the podcast. It's great. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan, and there are some other folks we absolutely have to thank. Can we get a round of applause for the staff at Manny's, please? Manny's. They have been absolutely wonderful and to by us. by the way, Manny, what a tough year. You're a fantastic guy. You're right there. Manny is the nicest man I know. Really, truly. Thank you all for coming out tonight. Thank you for being vaccinated. Thank you to Manny's for having us back. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. (laughs) See you next Friday.